It is my privilege to invite you to today's sermon podcast. I have made the Apostle Paul's prayer request my own. When he states in Ephesians six nineteen, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, the words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. May today's sermon come alive to you and aid you in your understanding of God's plan for your life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad that wherever you go, there goes Jesus. Amen. He's right by our side. He walks with us. He talks with us. He guides us. He leads us. He convicts us. He loves us. He cares for us. He protects us. That's Jesus. That's what Jesus does. He's God with us. He is the way maker, the chain breaker. Oh, man, I love that song. All these songs about love this morning. What, what great songs. Thank you guys so much. Remind us that Jesus is, boy, he's the real deal. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Well, uh, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Y'all had, y'all had plenty of turkey, did you? Yeah. Get it all done? We had 20 out at our house. Uh, three children and all of our grandkids. My land, when they all come, it's like a zoo. <laughs> Linda and I call it the three-ring circus. <laughs> we love them all. So glad when they're gone. <laughs> but not to fear, they're coming back. Christmas is right around the corner. Just be a few weeks. And the circus will be coming to town again. <laughs> but it is a wonderful time for family, isn't it? Reminds us of how important family is. Uh, among our 20 kids there, uh, we, had, uh, we got 10 grandkids. Um, six of them are adopted. Uh, four brothers and sisters, half black, half white. Uh, another brother and sister uh, to my son and his wife. And then uh, one of the kids who we were going to adopt, did not quite make it, and she brought her boyfriend. And we're all family. Um, doesn't matter what color or language you speak, amen. Family's a beautiful thing. I remember one time, years ago, my son was dating a girl. She'd been in our house many times, and we had dinner one day, and Sunday morning after church, and after dinner, uh, my son came to me and said, Dad, Dad would, you, would it be okay if you, you come, come and talk to me? And he mentioned her name. I said, sure. We went out in front of my house, sat in my truck. He said, she's got a question for you. I said, okay. She wants to know if, uh, is this the way it is always at your house? And I said, well, what do you mean, honey? She said, well, I've never seen you get angry or yell or cuss at, at your wife or the kids. Now, now I'm not a perfect dad, that's for sure. And there were times that I, I got mad and yelled at my kids, but uh, never cussed at them that I remember. Of course, I do have a short memory. But uh, <laughs> I said, no, I, it's, I think it's what you see is who we are, hon. It's who we are. We're, we're a family. We try to love each other. And uh, she, why do you ask? Well, she, she described her family. Her mom and dad were, it's a broken home. She'd go to visit her dad and girlfriend, and, and uh, he'd get mad and cuss and throw things. He's throwing a cup of coffee, throwing a rock, swear, cussing. And she said, I, I didn't know there was such a thing as a family like this where people loved each other. 
I've got to tell you, I love my family. Love my family. In fact, it's one of my priorities. My priority, and then my priority at this season of our life, is our family. And it's a little broader than I ever thought it would be. It really is, but we love it. It's tough at times, but we realize we're, we're, we're in the legacy stage. Now, some of you young'uns may not understand that, but you're at a time when what you say and do is extremely important. <laughs> I remember saying to this 14-year-old girl several years ago when they first came into our family, five of them, my daughter got a call. They've been doing uh, foster care for a number of years with different families, kids. They got a call. Hey, we got five kids down here at the hospital. They got no clothes. They got no food. Nobody will take them. There's five of them. Will you take them? And that, that's part of them we got. And the 14-year-old, she didn't quite make it. She was too broken. Love her dearly. I remember uh, about four or five years ago, she was on the horse, and I was leading the horse around. And I had a moment with her, and I said, Honey, I know you've had a tough, some tough going, but if you can trust us, you can, you'll find out we'll love you, we'll care for you, we'll protect you, we will not ever take advantage of you. And I know that's hard for you. Um, and she couldn't make the transition. It was tough. But here she is in our home, Thanksgiving Day, with her boyfriend, and we get another shot to show her the love of Jesus. I love family. It's what God intended. So I trust you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, really do. Is that the kids yelling? <laughs> Either the problems or they're having more fun than we are right now. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, so Tuesday night, be praying, because our, uh, our church board is going to be uh, meeting with our district superintendent, who's bringing us some names. So keep praying. The Lord's got this. Amen? We're, 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 we're not discouraged. We're having good days, good crowds. You're faithful in your income. It's a, it's a good day. And a little unusual, a little different, but it's all right. We'll get over this hump. Amen? So uh, thanks. You know, one of my favorite stories, by the way, uh, about preachers is this preacher that was preaching one Sunday morning. He, uh, when he was preaching, there was a dad and three or four kids, you know, little tykes, five or six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, and, and then the mom down at the other end. And as he was preaching, all of a sudden, the, the dad went to sleep. He started snoring. <laughs> Finally, the preacher had enough, and he said, Hey, son, wake up your dad. He, he's snoring, bothering my son. The boy said, Well, you put him to sleep, you wake him up. Yeah. Now, this morning, I, I've got a tough message. I've got a tough sermon. I just got to tell you right off the bat. Uh, you're going to have to put your seatbelts on, some of you. It's not, it's not a fun ride. I've lost a little sleep over this message. In fact, because of some of the things I'm going to say for the first time in my months here, I, I've, I've asked the guys, I, I think I want you to hold this off on, the, on YouTube, uh, Twitter, whatever we do, uh, the, all that fandangled stuff where we, you record it and put it out there for the world to see. Uh, now, if, if you're with us live stream, we welcome you today. Um, um, most likely you're one of our own folks or people that, that know us and you, you plug into us every Sunday. It's a good thing. We welcome you, but uh, probably this is your only shot and we won't, we won't be recording this sermon. And maybe you'll see why when, when I'm through. 
Now, let's see, I got a half an hour, and we'll see how far we can get. Uh, you know, um, have you ever, let me ask you a question. Have you ever gone to the eye doctor, and, and you sit down, you know, you sit down on, on this thing, and, and he has you lean forward, and there's this big steel thing. He says, lean your forehead against this thing, and you got your nose in like this, and and your first thought is, okay, how many other thousands of people have had their forehead and their nose crammed up here with who knows what kind of diseases, you know, drooling and sneezing, and you're going, yuck, do I have to do this? Yeah, yeah. And then he, then he starts showing you all these lenses. You know what I'm talking about? He changes the lenses. I wonder what lens do you see the world through? What lens? And I always have a hard time with these doctors. I mean, they, they have you leaning forward, first of all. It's very uncomfortable. Your, your head's against a steel plate. And then he switches these little things. And he asks you questions like, well, does that make any difference? You know what I mean? And half the time you're lying because you know he wants a positive answer, but you don't see any difference. So you got to say something. Well, yeah, there's a little difference there. But you really want to say, what are you talking about, man? I don't see any difference at all right? And other times it's so blurry, you're going, okay, this is a trick question, right? Do you see any difference? What do you, what do you mean? To, I can't even see anything out of that eye. Well, the lenses are always changing, and they all make a difference in the way you see things. So my question is, what lens do you look at the world through? How, how, do, you, how do you see your world? Because there's a lot of lenses out there. And some of them are pretty mucked up and muddy. And, and, and it's important for me as a pastor, I've given my life to this, that people understand how important it is that they, when they look at the world, they look at the world through this lens, a Bible lens. The Bible has what we call a worldview. It's different than other lenses. Are you with me? And if you don't have this view... Your, your view of your world can be pretty mucky. And especially when you consider all the junkola that's going on. How do you like that word, junkola? Pull that right out of my theological dictionary. Junkola. There's a lot of junkola out there that you can get caught up in. Who do you watch? Who do you listen to? I had a man ask me some just a few years ago. He, he attends uh, one of my friend's churches here. Uh, what's the name of that little church over here on the other side of the hill? A deer flat. Yeah, I knew it was named after an animal. A deer flat. He said, what, what, what's your news sources? Now, what he was trying to do was to, he was trying to tag me. So what my political views were. I said, well, you might be surprised. I listened to all kinds of news sources. Uh, this last week, I listened to an Arab news source, Al Jazeera. They're anti-Semitic. Al Jazeera. I listen to CNN, M, 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 S, M, B, C, uh, Fox News, uh, Newsmax. I listen to them all. You know why? Because I'm smart enough to make up my own mind. And I've got a pretty good view. I see pretty clearly. How many remember that song back in the 70s? I can see clearly now. Yeah, sure you do. Where in the world did that come from? <laughs> One thing you never know is what I'm going to say, because I don't even know what I'm going to say half the time. So I hope you got your seatbelts on. 
Uh, we'll see how far we can get. There's some things I've been trying to get to for three weeks. Because when I left on vacation, you remember, I preached two or three Sundays on the rapture and the second coming of Christ. I left, and the very next Sunday, October 7th, was when we had a crisis in the Mideast. And, uh, and we all saw on, the, on TV how a, a group of Muslims swooped in to the state of Israel and they took, uh, they took hostages. Some, thank heavens, this week are starting to be released. Uh, women, children, babies. We also saw um, images that were horrendous and, and we don't even like to talk about them. How you describe some of the things we've seen. And if you're clueless, I'm tempted to say it. I'm not going to say it, but don't be clueless. Be informed. Uh, This is mass murder. And, And no country would put up with what Israel put up with. I personally have friends who live in Israel. One of my friends, he said, he's a Messianic Jew. Um... I've known him for years, he and his wife, uh, live six months of the year in Israel, in, in six months of the year um, in Washington State. He has told me over the years, back all the way back to the 80s, how he and his wife would be on their, in their apartment, three or four stories high, and they would not watch the Scud missiles be fired randomly from the West Bank or Gaza or Lebanon towards Jerusalem. And they would have to run for cover. No one knowing where those bombs are going to lie. So stop for a moment. Here we are in church. Let's say that our enemies were no more than 50 miles away. What's 50 miles? Oregon what? The Oregon beavers. Oh, yes, the Oregon beavers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is a tough crowd, I'm telling you right now. Yeah, and, and they've got missiles that they just fire randomly, and let's say one of them lands out on our parking lot. That's what we're talking about. The sirens going out. And, and he would say to me, Les, he would say, you know, uh, uh, the, the news media in America, they don't cover this like it's really happening. They have a narrative, an agenda. They're trying to show you what they, they want you to see. But, but no country would put up what, what Israel's putting up with, with Scud missiles coming in randomly, wounding and killing people that nobody wants to talk about at least certain segments of, of our, our news media. What lens are you looking through, I'm saying? What's the reality? I have another friend, a Pat Nazarene pastor that lives over there. And, and so my, my information is firsthand. I've also been there a number of times. I've walked the streets. I've seen the damage. I've seen where it's happened. Um, I've listened to the firsthand reports of our Jewish friends. And so here we, here we have a group that swoops in to a nation... And, and they do it on a particular day. You know what the day was? It was, Yom, it was the, the time of Yom Kippur, the most holy day. That'd be like if we're celebrating Christmas or let's say Easter, the resurrection. And we have to duck and cover because we're under attack for our faith. And so this group, group called Hamas, we all know their name. Let's just name them. Hamas swoops in, carry away women, children. We've seen 80-some-year-old kid people come back this week. We've seen little children come back who have been kidnapped, uh, nine-year-old girls, beautiful little children. And, and we've been trying to make sense of all this. 
Um, you know, back in 2005, Israel left Gaza. Now, now they captured that, and you need to do some history. And the, 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 the war in six or seven days, right, in 1967. And Israel, who was under attack from nations around her, um, they, uh, they had a great victory. And they took over Gaza Strip, and they took over the West Bank. In fact, hey, guys, could you just fast forward and go to, the, go to that one map? I tried to show you three last week, ran out of time. Let me just show you this one. Let me just show you this one. Now, here's a picture of Israel. I don't have my little, uh, my little red thing, but uh, let me point this out to you. Not quite in the middle of the map, to the left of the map. Uh, above Saudi Arabia, which is yellow, there you go. There you see Israel. Go to the left, right there. So right in there, down to the red part, put that red thing on the red, right, yeah, yeah, right in there. That's Israel, okay? Now, that's the only Jewish nation in the world. And look who they're surrounded by. Egypt, Sudan, Ethiopia, Saudi Arabia, don't forget Yemen down below, Iraq, Iran, Russia, Turkey. All those neighbors, bar Russia, are Arab. And the Muslim faith and Islam come out of that area. There are hundreds of thousands of people that are all around a little sliver of a nation that is no much wide longer than Idaho is wider. How wide is Idaho from Oregon coast to the other side? About 300, 290 miles. That's Israel. In this vast arena, and now you have muscles coming from all these nations in 1967. Well, in, in 2005, um, Israel left Gaza. You know that? And in 2006, they elected Hamas as their leaders. And ever since 2006, it's been constant missiles being fired into Israel. Therefore, they have the Iron Dome. Uh, they've had to develop defense mechanisms just to protect their people. How would you feel if that was you? What is your biblical lens? Now, the last couple weeks, you might want to go back to the last couple weeks. We we talked about who Israel and who Jerusalem belongs to. It's God's city in the scripture. Is that your biblical lens? It's God's city. God did not give Israel or the land of Canaan. He did not he did, he did not loan that to the Jew, to the Hebrews, the Jewish people. He he did not give it to anybody else but the Jews. And then he said, Israel, Jerusalem is going to be my city, my holy city. I'm putting my stamp of approval on it. God has a vested interest in Israel and in Jerusalem, and that's why I say, keep your eyes there. So we've been looking at all this. We've been asking the question, what is, what's going on? What, what is it, what, what's the significance? Does it matter? Uh, can, can anyone make sense out of it? Now, so last week, I, I kind of started by taking us all the way back to how this started, the conflict that's going on today. And it started back with Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and two boys, two brothers from another mother, remember? Ishmael and Isaac, or do we say Isaac and Ishmael? The Arabs say Ishmael and Isaac because they believe that the inheritance and the lineage and the blessing should have gone through the firstborn, who is Ishmael. But God said no. And we read all those scriptures. Go back. You can catch those messages. God said no. The, 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 the blessing is going to go through my son. And this lineage, Abraham's son, was Sarah, Isaac. 
And, and, and in fact, you'll find that the, 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 the Arabs, or the, the Muslims, I should say at this point, they have chapter 22 of Genesis. It's not Isaac that's being sacrificed, it's Ishmael. And, and, and the Jews have, and the Arabs have discussed this whole little thing about, well, what, what went on there. And here's, here's Isaac and Ishmael discussing which one is most dedicated. Who, are you more dedicated to God or, or, or are you? And, and, and Isaac says, well, I, I'm, I'm more dedicated. Ishmael says, well, no, no, no. I was, I was circumcised when I was 13. You, you, were, you were just eight days old, according to the law. You didn't know what's going on. And Isaac said, well, I'd give God my life. And the next chapter, of course, is chapter 22, where Abraham is tested with taking the life of Isaac. So you have all this tit-for-tat going on all the way back. We looked at this. And out of this has risen the three world's largest or, or most significant religions. You have Judaism, which came first. You have Christianity, which came second. And then you have Islam. They came about somewhere seven, eight, six, uh, six, seven hundred years after Christ. And so we have these three major, major religions. And last week we kind of concluded that whether it makes sense to us or not as Westerners, uh, we do understand that, that this is not a new conflict. We see it goes around for hundreds and thousands of years. Anyone who is foolish enough to think they can solve it just by some kind of agreement is foolish. God's going to have to settle this thing, and someday it will be settled. And no wonder why the Bible tells us to pray for the peace of God's city, Jerusalem. Pray for Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of the city, the Scripture says. And, but we find this trail all the way back to these two brothers from another mother, I'm calling them. Secondly, we found out that many notable pastors and Bible scholars today, they are equating much of what's going on today to the last days and talking about the rapture and the second coming. Now, that's where it makes a difference for us. And if I was to close my message here, I would just say, are you ready? Because that's the message that, that, that Jesus always gave. Are you, are you ready for his coming? Because Jesus is coming. You know, this last week, interesting thing. Uh, I was watching the news, and all of a sudden... A major, recognizable, worldwide pastor is teaching on the rapture. And all of a sudden you see this video that's displaying the rapture happening on national television. And he's describing, by video, people absolutely, instantly, immediately disappearing from the earth. During the rapture. Have, has anybody ever seen it? Have you seen that this week? Some of you have seen it. It's incredible. I'm sitting there going, this is the coolest thing since sliced bread. This is the gospel. We're seeing the gospel on national television of the rapture. And someday when the rapture happens, people are going to go back and look at this. I mean, it's exactly what we talked about a number of weeks ago. People are going to be astounded. It's going to happen in an instant in the twinkle of an eye. But everybody's going to see it because of mass media. Social media, people, cameras are everywhere. And it was on this video. Man, you keep your eyes out for it. Um, I'd, I'd even think of the pastor, but I'd probably get him wrong. It's one of the two big, big guys that uh, probably most of you would know his name. Now, it goes without saying that um, we're dealing with a difficult issue here. 
um, this morning, I want to kind of, I want to kind of peel off some layers of an onion. See, it's a 15 tail uh, brother. I need your help this morning. So he stands up and he stops me when I've gone too far. And, and I, I might go fast because I, I got a lot of stuff to get through. So we're going to peel off some onions, layers of onions. And uh, peeling off an onion, you know, it's not always fun, right? So get your handkerchiefs out, put your seatbelts on. We're in the kitchen peeling onions. It goes without saying that there's multiple, many layers to this onion, this topic. So let me just list a few, two or three. There's the geopolitical layers, uh, the politics that are involved. There's the history of Palestine and the Palestinian state. Have you ever wondered where Palestine came from and the whole terminology? Go back and look at the Rome, Roman Empire and the Palestinian arena. Uh, there's the psychological, spiritual implications of this conflict. That's something that the Jewish people, the Hebrews, really lay into. What does this mean spiritually, psychologically? Uh, there's both the radical and the moderate issues, I say, or the views um, on all fronts. There's the biological inheritance, the DNA of the Arab nation or the Arab people. If you don't think that's convoluted, it's an amazing thing when you trace back the Arabs all the way back to the Edomites. And you look at how they've all intermixed, Jews and Arabs. It's a very difficult issue, just that alone. And I don't hear a whole lot of people talking about it. There's the origins of the Muslim faith itself and Muhammad and the role he plays in in all of this. So, now just, just a couple. I'm not going to be able to deal with all these. Just, just maybe one or two if I get time. So let's talk about, first of all, one of the most foundational issues in all of the world. It doesn't matter who you are, what, what tribe you come underneath, what religion you follow, what person is your person. Here's the definition of God, which is at the foremost. foremost. When you look at that lens, who is God in your, in your opinion? I've known a lot of people who have a designer God. They've designed their, you know, kind of like we, we have designer jeans. You know, they got a, all that fluffy stuff on them and dangly stuff and a designer jean. You got your own designer God. Um, you know, you got a little bit of uh, Eastern mysticism. You got a little bit of Judaism. You got a little bit of Hinduism. You got a little bit of uh, Buddhism. And you put your God together through your experiences and your mom or your dad or your history or whatever happened to you. And all of a sudden you've designed your God and your lens is, is that. That's a whole different lens than this. It's a whole different lens. So your understanding of God is so foundational. So now I'm going to go to Scripture. And what I've done this morning is I've taken the, the Judeo-Christian understanding of God, both from the Old Testament, uh, three chapters, uh, three verses, from, three, three uh, sources from the Old Testament, a couple from the New, and we're going to see what the Bible, how the Bible describes God. And if you were listening when we sang this morning, many of the songs we sang are about this kind of God. Amen. You think about the songs we sing about. So um, the guys are going to put this on the screen. I'm not going to have you open your Bibles because it's just going to be a, a little bit too much. So we're going to start with uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. So go ahead and put that on, guys. And if you'd like to stand, this is the reading of God's Word. So this is what we call the Shema. 
The Shema is the, is the most holy creed for all Jewish people. It goes all the way back to Moses. When God said this to Moses, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Keep going, guys. Stay up with me, guys. Exodus 34. This is the second time that God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. That's the context. And God starts walking in front of Moses. And he starts crying out who he is. Now, this isn't... Listen, it's something when, when, when man says something about God. It's something. It's something when, when, when man says something about man. But this is, not, this is not man on man or man on God. This is God on God. You get it? This is God swearing who he is. And this is what he says. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and he stood there with Moses and he proclaimed his name. Here it comes. And the Lord, he passed by in front of Moses proclaiming. The Lord, the Lord. Now, are you with me? The compassionate. Gracious. It's the word grace. Gracious God. Slow to anger. Abounding in love. Faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. Wow. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their, their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Wow. Jeremiah 33. This is what the Lord says. He who made the earth. The Lord who formed it and established it. The Lord is his name. Call to me and I'll answer you. And I tell you Great and unsearchable things you do not know. Wow. Now, New Testament, John 17. Now, this is the eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John three sixteen and 17. Let's say this one together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, that is Jesus. Wow. May the Lord add this blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. So watch your lens. Is that your lens of a God who loves, who's compassionate, who's caring, who's patient, who's gracious, who's forgiving? Now, it's a well-known fact. Um, It was the Hebrews. It was the Jewish nation. When God called them. Remember when God called Abraham and then Moses. I am the Lord your God. The Lord, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So it was the Jewish people who lived in a pagan, a, a, a polytheistic, mini-God environment, it was the Jews who brought monotheism to the world. Did you know that? It didn't start yesterday. It started with God's relationship with the Jewish people. The Lord, the Lord, guys, I'm teaching you something. You're, you're in a polytheistic, you've got gods for everything. You've got moon gods, you've got river gods, water gods, all kinds of gods, fertility gods, 
irrigation gods. You got gods everywhere. And God says, hold on for a moment. The Lord, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord, your God, he's one God. No wonder why the Ten Commandments says thou shall have the very first commandment, right? Thou shall have no other gods before me. God is very clear. He is God. He's going to be God whether you want him to be or not. (laughs) The question is, do you have the right lens of God? You got a designer gene God? Or do you got a biblical God? So the Jews gave us this monotheistic God. And it's no secret the world's three major religions then are all monotheistic. Judaism is monotheistic. We are monotheistic. We teach there is one God only who's expressed himself in three ways. He's done that to us so so we can understand him. Look, how do you understand God? Well, you can't. You can't understand God any more than a dog can understand you. I mean, the dog can understand you a little bit. He understands you feed him, you love him, you pet him, you're best friends. Remember, all dogs don't go to heaven. Not going to go back there again. I get in too much trouble, especially with the cat world. So, God's expressed, he's kind of broken it down. God says, let me, let, me, let me explain to you this way. You know what a father is. If you have a loving, caring, gracious father, that's who I am. I'm a father. And you know what these family relationships are, like a father or a daughter? A father and a daughter and a son? Well, well that's... that's my son, he's God. And the spirit, you, you can feel a spirit in you. You see spirit in people. That, okay, I'm breaking it down so you can see me relationally. I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a spirit. And now we get a better understanding who God is. It's a beautiful thing when we begin to see this, what we call the Holy Trinity. Which, by the way, Muslims or Jews don't believe in, but they are monotheistic. And all three of these religions are monotheistic because they all come from the same roots. They go all the way back to Abraham. That's where they trace their own lineage. So, um, Jews, though, they're still waiting for the Messiah. So we're defining God now. Uh, Muslims... They believe Jesus, or Isa, as they call Jesus in Islam. Isa, he was a greater prophet than Muhammad. That's in the Quran. Most of them won't want to talk about that. But certainly he's not the Messiah, Emmanuel. By the way, uh, one of the news sources I go to, quite frequently, is a Christian, CBN Christian Broadcasting Network. Uh, they bring in a spiritual content to the, 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 the news that we see. If you've never watched them, open it up and look at it. Christian Broadcasting Network. It's pretty cool. Um, it's a whole different lens. It's a beautiful lens. Um, so, here's the Muslims. They, they believe in Jews. And the reason I mentioned Christian Broadcasting Network is because this last week, they had an article on the fact that what nobody's talking about is Isa, or Jesus, is appearing to Muslims in Gaza. 
and saying, I love you. Woo-hoo. Okay, we'll keep going on. So God with us, or the Christ, the Son of the living God? No, that's, that's not Muslims. Jesus was the greatest of all Muslim prophets, but certainly not the third person of the Trinity like we teach. Father, Son, or divine, or even resurrected. That's not Jesus. But Christianity, when we look through this lens of the Bible, he claims that Jesus to be the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior of the world who died on the cross of Calvary. He was raised from the dead after three days in the tomb, proving that he was God with us in the flesh. And one day, this same Jesus has promised that he's going to burst through the eastern skies. Thank you. Man, I got two minutes and I'm not going to get there. Um, Even with this distinction, many Christians still believe that we all serve the same God. And if by that they mean he is God, always will be God, well, the same yesterday, today, and forever, well, they probably have an argument. But if what they mean is we all serve the same God, so why can't we all just get along? They're sadly mistaken. Because by definition, we have each adopted a different understanding and a different lens of who God is. Are you listening, church? On more than one occasion, I have traveled from Amman, Jordan. I've gone through the the land of the Edomites, uh, the Ammonites, the the, the Moabites, and the Edomites. And I've stopped at stations, and I've listened to Arabs argue with me as to why Jesus Christ is not who we say he is. We do not serve the same God. So why is it so many Christians think, oh, it doesn't really matter. We all still have the same God, don't we? No, we don't. Well, he is the same God. In the, he will be God regardless of who we are. But he's not the same understanding of God. And we must distinguish that. And pastors must teach it clearly. In Islam, God is one. He's also unknowable. Is our God unknowable? No, we can know him. He is so trans, transcendent. So high above, in, in Islam, you can't touch, you cannot engage with God, you cannot talk to God. He's distant, far off, he's abstract. If you ask a Muslim, uh, do you know how much God loves you? He will say, I don't know how much God loves me. Only Allah knows that. What did we sing this morning? It's who I am. It's who I am. How does that song go? It's who you are. The love of God, it's who you are. That's not a Muslim faith. In fact, the God of Islam, it actually says that works, God works with, with Satan and with demons in order to fill up hell, which he created. And I could give you the, I could give you the Quran statements of where that's found in Surah, chapter by chapter. I have a I have a Quran at home. And you can go right to these these things. Now, would you give me five more minutes? Okay, if you gotta go, go ahead. It's okay. Allah, the Muslim name for God, comes from an Arabic word many years ago that literally initially came from the worship of the moon god. It's pagan at its heart. All it cannot be found in either the New Testament or the Old Testament, obviously. He's not even found in our Bible. The God of the Bible, in contrast, is a God of love, of grace, of mercy, of patience. 
He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The God of the Bible in the Old Testament, Jeremiah, records the word of the Lord in 29, 13. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. God wants to touch you. He wants you to touch him as the woman touched the hem of Jesus' garment. God wants to be intimately, personally involved in our lives. That's the God of the Bible. Now, I'm going to make a left turn, and then we're done. Uh, are you ready for a left turn? See, get my signal out here. Whoop, 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 whoop. My beeper. Are you ready? Because I'm going to make a left turn. It's a radical one. Here we go. All right. So in America and in the church, we are in a fog, a spiritual fog in relation to when it comes to Islam, who Islam is and what it means. Not all religions are the same, my, my, my friends. They're not all equal. Islam literally means submission. The bottom line is you must submit to Allah. You have no choice. Now, in Christianity, we say, come on. Come, all, come unto me, all ye that are laboring and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. It's a welcoming invitation. But Islam is submission. You come or you die. That's, that's the issue. Are you with me, church? So, so we need to hear this clearly. Because what you see on TV, when people are pro-Palestinian and anti-Israeli, they don't understand these things. They really don't. They're in a fog. They don't understand. They've never done their history. Uh, and they're blinded by the enemy. Allah cannot be found in either, like I said, the scriptures. So, a left turn. Here we are. Um, Islam follows the theology of triumphalism. In other words, we, tri- we trump everything. It's like playing rook. You got a trump card. Well, that's, that's Islam. They, they trump everything. Islam. Submission. So, so it's, it's, a, it's a triumphalism of dominance. It's, it's one of dominance of one nation's ideology and religious beliefs over all others. To a, to a Muslim, all his will is for, for Islam to rule the world. Christianity doesn't want to rule the world. That's not our, that's not our goal. Our goal is simply to share the love of God and let God do the rest. Islam says, no, you must follow Allah. You must follow Muhammad. And both Israel and America stands in Hamas's way or Islam's way. Do you understand that? We are in bed with Israel, like it or not. They are our only ally in all of the Mideast. They're the only ones. What lens are you looking at the world through? The, the map I showed you a while ago. Guys, put that back up there just for fun. So the Quran teaches dominance. I'm going to read a couple things to you, and, and I said we're through. I asked for five minutes. I need two more. All right. Here's right, here's right out of the Quran. Okay. Muslims taught, fight and slay the pagans wherever you find them, seize them, beleaguer them, lie in wait for them in every stratagem of war. Surah 9.5. Here's Surah 5.33. Surah, by the way, is another word for chapter. Chapter 5, verse 33. The punishment of those who wage war against Allah and his messenger, which, by the way, today is the United States, and strive with might and, and, and main for mischief through the land is execution, crucifixion, cutting off of hands and of feet from opposite sides, or exile from the land that is, is there a discretion, a disgrace in this world. How many remember the Ayatollah Khomeini? Remember that? 
Well, here's his, here's his statement. The purest joy in Islam is to kill and to be killed for Allah. Does that sound like Christianity to you? doesn't sound like Christianity to me. So now you get a little idea of what the big deal is for Israel. Um, I know many people who say Islam is a religion of peace. Let me tell you, they are simply uninformed. Muhammad, who wrote their religious book, you can divide his life into two two different segments. One is the peaceful years of Mecca and the other one the violent, violent years of Medina. You go back and look at his life, you look at the Quran, it's all there, it's, it, it's very obvious. So the Quran reflects these two chapters in his life. Mecca was a time of attracting Jews by peace. When that didn't work, his strategy failed, he moved into the violence arena of his life. So that's why some people say, well, uh, Muslims are people of peace. Well, they are if you look at the first chapter. You look at the last chapter. It's anything but, and it's been anything but for the last 1,400 years. All you got to do is look at, at history and you can see. So, um, now we have jihad and holy war and violence. Um, I said I was through. I promise I'm through with this one. Here's an Indonesian jihadist leader. I won't name his name. Uh, he's recorded by saying this. Islam can't be ruled by others. All his laws must stand above human law. There is no example of Islam and infidels. The right and the wrong living together in peace. He was asked, um, what could the West do to live at peace with Islam? He says, stop fighting Islam. And that's impossible because of the, the destiny of the law of nature as Allah has said in the Quran. They want to have peace. They will have to be, accept and be governed by Islam. What lens are you looking at your world through? And this conflict in the, in the Holy Land. I encourage the church to be educated if you're listening to me by live stream. Um... Be educated. Go back and study. Listen to Jewish rabbis, what their take is on the war. It won't completely match Christianity, but it's very close. By the way, uh, the Jewish rabbis say the only difference between the Muslims, which we haven't really dealt with, the Muslims and, and, the, and the Jews, is, is their holy book, um, the Torah. And when you look at the similarities, they're pretty great. Maybe we'll delve into that just a little bit next, next week. I'm kind of thinking about moving on by this, on this. I don't want to spend forever here. But I do have a few more Sundays with you, I believe. So if that's the case, uh, maybe I'll take my time. Is that okay? Amen. Are you enjoying this? Is this okay? I want you to be enjoying. If you're not, I don't want to be beaten up on you. I want you to enjoy church and have a good time in church. Church should not be boring. But it should be honest anyway, Right? All right, Lord, we thank you today for who you are. You are a God of love. You're a God of grace. May we exemplify that, live that out, and be witnesses and testimonies to it in word and deed. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Go in peace, church. Shalom.
I want to thank you for joining today's sermon podcast. You can find a copy of today's sermon as well as other sermons and the sermon outline from today on our church's website, www.mvcnaz.org. It is my prayer also that you will seek out a church home that recognizes the authority of the Bible.